Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. From Seoul down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing like it in any amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, blind kid sure plays a mean dead ball. Talking to the people involved with collecting, playing, repairing, restoring and operating pinball and arcade culture around New Zealand and beyond. You are listening to Simon's Pinball Podcast. Here we go, and uh, welcome listeners, I'm here in uh, Auckland um, for the second day in a row, um, I am sitting with BJ Wilson, who is um, has just turned 50 actually, his 50th birthday was last night um, at the pub downstairs, and we're in an apartment above, um, above that space, and he's happily, uh, well gladly, I'm happy <laughs> that he has agreed to talk to me. Hi Julia. Hi. Julia's just walked in. Uh, BJ's partner, and um, we're and so I'm really thrilled to be talking to BJ, and uh, we have a few stories that we can share, because we've had some uh, some fairly significant pinball adventures together, yeah, and we'll get to that. But uh, first of all, welcome BJ. Thank, Thank you, you for joining my little pinball podcast. <laughs> Good to be here. <laughs> and I just wanted to introduce you by saying that you are from Toronto. Is that correct? That's true, yes. And yeah. But you live here in Auckland on the North Shore. Yeah, yeah. I came down here about uh, 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, was, uh, I was living in Toronto and uh, yeah, decided to do a little bit of an adventure. I uh, thought <clears throat> I was coming here for a year or maybe two years. And after the first year, I, there was no way I was going to leave right away. Still another year to do, for sure. What brought you and here? I, just for a holiday? Or? Yeah, just a bit of an adventure. I had, yeah. uh, I'd been on a couple of other adventures with my partner at the time, and we decided this was the next place to, to do some adventuring, and we thought it was too far away to go for uh, just a two- or three-week mm. uh, vacation. So uh, we figured we'd, uh, you know, we'd, we'd make a go of it, make it a working holiday for a year or two. Right. And then uh, and so packed up all our stuff back home in Toronto and stored it away in, in a... In a uh, spot that I built with my dad, yeah, and uh, and then you know, came down here. And as I say, after a year, there was no way I wanted to leave just yet. And mm. uh, halfway through the second year, bought a house. And so uh, you were living initially in the central city, or no? Actually, we thought we would. We thought uh, I I had lived in apartments all my life, and so mm. when I came to Auckland, I thought not knowing anything about Auckland before I got mm. here, and I thought, okay, well, we'll just move into an apartment in the middle of the city. Mm. Uh, and then got here, and at that time, twenty three years ago, there weren't any apartments in the city, right? Um, and we wound up living in a house uh, with some flatmates uh, near where both of us got jobs. And um, uh, and it's funny that you know, now we're in an apartment downtown right now. Mm. But 23 years ago, these things yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was a, a change in lifestyle for me too because I hadn't really had flatmates before. And I hadn't right. lived in a house and right. for, you know, since I was 
six or something. Right. So it was a really different uh, different way of living. But and but loved it. I mean, I let love New Zealand, and it's just an easy place to get shipwrecked. And were you working in IT at that time when you came? Yeah, out? yeah, yeah. Then that yeah. was kind of the that was the, I had said to my partner. I, I said, oh, if, you, if you can get a job in New Zealand before we leave mm. New Zealand soil, I'm pretty. Sure I'll, I'm, I'm in IT. I'll be able to find mm. something sure. when we get there. You know, it's a pretty transferable kind of skill set. Yeah. Um, and not thinking that she would actually do it, and then she actually did it, and I was like, "Oh, I guess I have to leave this job I just started in Toronto and, and you know head yeah. down to New Zealand for yeah. a year." Yeah. And uh, and then that's been great and and unusual for IT. I'm still working for the same company I started in New Zealand with right. 23 years ago. 23 years in IT is is an eternity. Wow. And uh, that's remarkable. Yeah, a, a remarkable company as well too, because the I mean I'm not the only guy who's been there 23 years. There are other guys who've been there for. Uh, 20, a couple guys have been there for 24, a bunch of guys have been there for 12 to 15 years. Was it the launch of that business about that time? No, they've been around, they've been going uh, since, probably they've been going about 10 years at that point. Right. Um, yeah, about that, a little more maybe. Um, and we're still going strong. But, cool. uh, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of other people who, as I say, have been there for a dozen or more years and, and yeah. you know, IT's full of, full of people who stick around for three or four years and move on. Yeah. So, now, leading um, us to pinball, um, you were a pinball fan or a collector back in Toronto before you came? No, actually. Well, I was a fan, uh, but I can't say that it was an active part of my life at all. Um, for me, that was, that was back in, uh, I would say it would be the early 80s, mm. that uh, my brother and I kind of played pinball together, particularly mm. at, uh, we had this, this cottage that we would rent. Um, a, a couple of times, well, a couple of years running, I guess. Um, and this is not uncommon in Northern Ontario, where you have, you know, a collection of cottages that are all around a kind of central, uh, kind of uh, hall, I guess, or mm. you know, a little shop and a little games room kind of thing. Yeah, much like a motor camp, but it's all it's all cottages instead sure. of uh, instead of caravans. And um, and so we, my family, would do that. You know, uh, we do that a, f- a few years. We have a week up in these places. And in that little games room, in the center mm. of that, there was a, um, uh, they had like a pool table, I think. I think they had an air hockey table. And they had uh, Williams Apollo, 1967 right. EM, right. Uh, single player. And that's where I, I really learned to play pinball, or mm. got to like pinball. Mm. This is really kind of pre-video games. That's why maybe video games were just mm. starting to come yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and and the way that we kind of, it kind of got, uh, the, the way it grabbed me, I guess, was that my brother and I were also being a little naughty, mm. and, that, and that we figured out how to, on the back side of the of, of the, the the Williams Apollo, it's got a metal plate right that covers the back box, mm. and that one had a little bit of a dent in it, right. which allowed us to pry our little fingers inside and stick our hands up inside and roll the credit reel. Oh right! And okay. so we could roll the credit reel a few a few times and then get our hands out and one you know when nobody's looking. <laughs> and uh, and then we we play free games. Yeah. And I, I tell, I'm telling this story to an operator. It's going it's it's to break your heart. But um, we, I mean, if if you counted the coins in our pockets, we should have only been there to play four or five games. Yeah. Uh, but we wound up playing dozens and dozens and dozens. Would you rank it right up to that? The 20, oh, 20, 20, 23, I think it was. Yeah, the yeah. twenty three <laughs> maximum. Uh, oh, it was a thirty two. I'm just uh, yeah, up there. Yeah, twenty nine yeah, somewhere in yeah. there. Um, and we'd get, we'd go as high as we could, and because we were greedy, you know. Yeah. And and but then we, <laughs> so we'd play for hours, and uh, and so that was that's that's my, my solid yeah. sort of pinball origin memory. And then later on in life, David and I, like my brother and I, were um, we he had a there was a cyclone in a uh, a dairy just behind mm. his place, and we we'd uh, we'd spend a you know a 
bit of time there playing that. So those are my the, the two, two really fond memories right. parts for me of, right. of, of the formative years of my pinball fandom. Right. But I wasn't collecting in Toronto at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hadn't even thought of it. And then yeah. uh, a few years after uh, being in New Zealand, uh, once I one, yeah I bought the house and once I was in it for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, actually, even before so even before Trade Me started in New mm. Zealand, there was mm. a thing called tra- uh, the Trade and Exchange. Trade and Exchange, I remember. The, uh, yes. Yeah, it was a newspaper. You got it mm. every Thursday. Every it Thursday, came out. yeah. Um, and uh, and it's where you hunted for your bargains and stuff mm, like that, mm. you know. And and I saw a uh, pinball machine come up on that in there. Mm. Uh, it was a 1958 Gottlieb Bright Star mm-hmm. uh, f- uh, for sale for 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I had a big grin on my face when I saw it, and I know I had a big grin on my face when I went to to look at it, and it was a grin that. My part of the time was well familiar with, and there's, there's, there's a face that I get when I've just discovered something that I think is amazing, and I have to do this. Yeah. Um, and I know I had that expression on my face, and it was well described at the time. But uh, so yeah, next I had to have this. You thing. paid the full two hundred. I paid the full two hundred. <laughs> it had been the sides sides of the cabinet had been uh, flock painted, yeah. uh, so yeah. they painted over the uh, the original. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the it, you know it wasn't in great shape, but I didn't know that at the time. Sure. I really wasn't savvy at all. I was sure. a pinball newbie, really. Yeah. Uh, brought it home, played it. It wasn't quite as good as I remember pinball to be, but I also didn't know enough to adjust the levels, levelers yeah. higher and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. I had a bunch of stuff I just didn't know. Yeah, it's quite um, remarkable that it, if it was in a working condition, at least it, it mostly was. Almost yeah. everything yeah. was working on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, the roto spinner was was uh, mm. was working well. Um, and yeah, so it, and it was a nice game. I'd love that to have, have been, been What year would that have been? Nineteen fifty-eight, or when no, they no, no, that you bought it? That would have been pre two thousand four. So I'm guessing it was probably two thousand and one, maybe right, maybe two. Right. Yes. So that's like nearly yeah. a fifty-year-old game. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's lovely. I'll get the back glass was was in reasonably good neck as I recall. You still have it? You don't have that anymore. I do don't you? have it. So I so a little while later, I thought I was going to leave New Zealand. Mm, yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I, so I was selling off all my stuff mm. uh, to and get we're getting ready to leave. Mm. And as it turns out, the last minute I chose not to leave and I chose to stay in New Zealand, which was the best decision I've made in my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, but in the lead up to that, um, uh, I sold it to a chap in Wellington, right. who uh, uh, who came up uh, in a Mazda three. He drove all the way from Wellington to mm. pick it up mm. with his girlfriend, I think. Mm. They managed to fit this thing into the back of his Mazda three, mm. and like seats all pushed all the way forward and everything. <laughs> and he and then he took it back down to Wellington. He still got it. I ran into him a few What's years his later. Name? Uh, Brett Brett Monsell. Oh, Brett Monsell. Oh, Mansell. I know yeah, Brett really well. Okay. Yeah, I ran into him right. at uh, cool. at a, a, a Pincade one year. Yeah. He actually wound up picking me up from the airport. I think. Yeah. Uh, and so we reconnected at that point. He says, "Did you did you have a 1958 Gottlieb Bright?" I says, "Yes, I did. You bought it off me." And uh, and he said that he hadn't he hasn't actually fixed it up that much, and I'd love to have it back because it was I love that machine. He's got a lovely collection of old games. I hear that. Yeah, he, he's been buying jukeboxes lately. Mm-hmm. He's a lovely lovely guy, and I, I would like to talk to him about his collecting mm. um, down the track. There's so many people in this country that I would like to get to with this <laughs> with this series. Um, but uh, oh, that's really fantastic. And so so, so I sold it. When I sold it. Sorry, you had a question. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say that led you on, you stayed, and then you, what was your well, next? That thing, was exactly right? it. So, as, mm. so as soon as I, I sold that machine, and then I had this kind of uh, uh, day of reckoning on whether I was actually going to leave the country or not, mm. and and decided no, I can't, I can't leave. It's just too good here. Mm. My friends, mm. are, I've got such great friends here, a great situation where I was living, and uh, wonderful neighbors, and I, I just, I, I just can't go, um, and so I decided to stay, and then that was kind of a. At that point, I also wanted to uh, 
really embraced a whole lot of things that I really liked. Mm. It was kind of a, it might have been a midlife crisis, who knows. Mm. All I knew was I, I wanted I wanted all the things around me that I had just sold off or, right. or, or things that I, I suddenly realized some of the things I valued and sure. I didn't, didn't know that previously. And um, and so one of them was, I need a pinball machine. Mm. Um, and I was, uh, I also wanted a few projects to work on as well too. So I wound up buying a, uh, a, 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 a Simpsons, not Simpsons, the original Simpsons, Data 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 East, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, with uh, I, th- I think it's I think the loom wiring loom was decapitated as well, um, but I didn't mind because I was going to rewire it and mm. make make my mm. own little uh, you know, homebrew pinball project yeah. or just you know with that yeah um, just a play field no no actual cabinet or anything oh and wow. so I had yeah, a big project a ahead. that is a big project yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and when that became a bigger project than I probably was ready for mm. um, I, I happened to see a cyclone come up on it mm. that time it would have been trade me. Mm. And I went through a whole trade phase where I just bought a sure. whole bunch of silly things sure. just because I could, because yeah. I was embracing this yeah. this staying in New Zealand. And yeah. I was just filling out. <laughs> nesting. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because I, I had emptied my nest, yeah. uh, selling everything off that I owned, thinking I was moving. And yeah. now I was like, I need to fill this space with all yeah. the things I want. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. And uh, and pinball machines weren't so cycling. Well, they were a good prospect then, too. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a good time to be buying pinballs at that time. <laughs> Um, although I still at the time thought they were crazy prices, well, yeah. I thought we were spending too much on these yeah. you know, these silly yeah. things. But you, know, you look back at it now and you think, oh, those were bargains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the cyclone came up, and of course that was a nostalgic one for me, as, yeah. as previously mentioned. Yeah. So uh, so I picked that up, and then uh, you know one you can't have just one. One yeah. thing leads yeah. to another, yeah. and uh, a little while after that, actually, I found myself in uh, in the states, uh, cleaning out. Cleaning out a, a, a dead relative's uh, uh, house after mm. they, you know, they passed, and while I was there, we there's going to be a bunch of stuff getting shipped back to New Zealand, mm. and uh, and while I was there, I was looking for pinball machines. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if that if what this, what city at the state what city uh, we were in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Is that right? No, hang on. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, it was at, mm. at Los Angeles. Well, at least that's close to a port, which is used. Which it is was. Handy. It was, and there was a car coming back as well. So mm. it was a, a, a 1967 um, Cutlass Supreme, mm. uh, single owner um, mm. that was that was being shipped back to New Zealand, mm. not for mm. me, but for, mm. for other folks. And because that was coming, and we knew we were going to be shipping some big stuff, I was mm. like, "Well, what else can we fit in this mm. shipment?" Yeah. So I, I fit a couple of machines into that, and one of those has a very special story. But we, we can come back. Is to that. that the Belly Spacing Raiders? That is the Belly Spacing Raiders. Oh, I've got that on my list to ask you about. <laughs> I have remembered that little conversation about that game. Yeah. But yeah. we'll get to that further down the track. Um, what, and what was the other one? The other one was a uh, uh, a project pin. It was a um, it was a cocktail table. Um, Roy Clark, the entertainer. It's at the one that's in your upstairs room, the cocktail table. You had one up there uh, recently. I saw. Was it Night Moves or something? No, no. It was. It's a rat. It's, it's much like Night Moves, and I think so. It's my Night Moves was Fascination, wasn't it? I think. Um, and Fascinate the um, Roy Clark, the entertainer, was done by. Oh, I can't remember the name of the company now. I think they changed the name to Fascination. Jinko or something. No, it wasn't Jinko. No. Oh, okay. Um, I, if you'd asked me this a few years ago, I could have mm. brought it off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> so, so I, yeah, it was, so a co- it, was a cocktail table. It was a cocktail table, um, and this thing was had been disassembled and yeah. hasn't been put back yeah. together. Some people just and, collect those, so they just collect the cocktail yeah. pinball table. I had one guy on um, the pinball serial database mm. um, who contacted me online because I had put my collection up on there mm. and had mm. documented it. And um, 
Uh, probably not accurate. They don't think I have all the serial numbers on there, but at least it was saying, here's what my collection is. Mm. And a chap contacted me mm. uh, saying, hey, do you want to sell your, uh, your uh, Roy Clark the Entertainer? And I was interested in that because I thought, what kind of guy is after Roy Clark the Entertainer? <laughs> yeah. And I think he said he was in Australia. I think the, the, his listing said he was in Australia. I'm not sure. Um, uh, so I went to look at his collection to see what he had. Yeah. And the only thing he had listed was a Popeye of all things. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. And so I thought, hang on, this guy's got a Popeye and he's looking for a Roy Clark the Entertainer. Wow. That seems really weird. Maybe he's trying to get the worst uh, games ever made. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, well, I don't think Roy Clark rates highly. I haven't actually put it all together yet. It's, yeah. uh, it's, still, it's still in several pieces, but uh, uh, it's, and it's low on my list of priorities of machines. So the two you brought back and you had the Cyclone? I had the Cyclone, and I, I think I might have had one other one by that time. <clears throat> yeah. I can't remember what this... If, if, I don't think this Space Invaders was the second machine I got. Right. Or they're both third, I guess, technically. Yeah. Yeah. But one, in, in my newest... What well, do you want to talk oh, about this? Space the creature. Invaders. It was yeah. a creature. creature from the, the That's movie. right. Okay. That one actually wound up... Um, that was, was uh, kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah. Because it was a trade-me auction. I had, I, I, I had gone to see it. Um, the hologram was in good shape. Yeah. And... Uh, so I thought, yeah, I'm going to bid on this. Mm. And my, my way of bidding usually is that I bid at the last second. I don't mm. wait until, I don't, I don't run up the price beforehand. Sure. I wait until sure. the very end of the auction and we'll see who's actually really playing. Yeah. And um, uh, so in this case, on, this, on that trip to the States, mm. <clears throat> I'm getting on the plane to get on that trip to the States to mm. do the whole house clearing out thing. Mm. And, uh, and you know, they're saying it's time to turn off your phones. Mm. Mm. So I had to turn off my phone while I'm, Busily bidding away on this right. uh, on this creature, so I put in this one last bid, yeah. uh, and sent it and t- turned my phone off. Yeah. And I said, "Well, when we get to LA, I guess I'll find out if I got it or not." There was a, there was definitely another bidder involved, so I thought oh, they're likely gonna just you know, yeah. they'll get the bid after I've I've gone black because we're you know I'm shutting yeah. on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, you, was it an auto bid or just a, just a, just a you, you might not That's a good question. I, I, I think I did might put have an auto, been auto bid. bid. I, I think I put an yeah. auto bid. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah, because I, I, I yeah. couldn't do any more bids. So I thought, okay, yeah. well, here's my max. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. Yeah. So I, and, and just put my phone down. So, of course, we land in LA, and the yeah. first thing I do is pick up the phone, and ding, yeah. it turns out I actually got it. So that was exciting. Yeah. Um, so that worked out well. And yeah. so, yeah, so I, so I had the creature for a while. And then uh, um, I don't remember actually. Yeah, that was. I'm pretty sure that was that trip that I did that. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I know there was a getaway that came in at some point a little bit later on. That may have been. The, the I enjoyed playing creature last night at your party. Oh, I was. It was. I, I it was played beautifully, actually. That game. Yeah, I I hesitate to do things to it because it mm. does play. Mm. To, it plays in a way that I like. I like, the, I like the green the green rubbers on the. Uh, is it green rubbers on the flippers? Uh, my, no, I don't think I do actually. I yellow, got, yellow. I think I got yellow on there. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, it was it was playing really nice. Well, yeah, I think I'll get rid of it. Yeah, that was it was it was lovely. I I, I had a creatures and I, I got rid of it because it um never liked the gameplay much and it had been shopped out by Kerry Hogan mm-hmm. and I thought if I'm gonna flip it I want to flip it while it's still minty fresh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. got still got the Kerry Hogan shine. Yep. And uh, I let it go to uh, Drew in New Plymouth. But anyway, um so that means you've got four or five machines by that stage. Yes, yes, I did. Do you want to talk about the Bally Space Invaders now? Yes, indeed. That was I was I was I remember seeing it maybe ten or fifteen years ago at your place, and I went, "Wow, this has got to be the nicest Bally because it's actually quite a rare game. I don't see it very much. No, it doesn't. Bally it Space doesn't come out very often. Um, and when they do come out, they tend to be pretty uh, pretty worn in. Yeah. Because um, uh, yeah, I think they they do get played, but you know they've got it's such a neat game anyway, just because the the uh, 
it's such a weird story of the game by itself. Like just mm. before even I got involved with buying one. Mm. I mean, you look at the well-documented story of, of you know pinball was being beaten by video games mm. and um, uh, Midway owned the license to or they had the you know, had the license to, to Space Invaders mm. um, and uh, and they were like, well, how can we make this thing kind of tie in with video games or look like it's a pinball, it's a video game kind of thing. Mm. Meanwhile, the artist wanted to do he he had that H.R. Giger. Is it Paul Ferris? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he had the, the the coffee table book that every artist had at the time of, mm. of H.R. Giger's work, and everybody was mm. you know, amazed mm. by that. Um, <clears throat> so he wanted to make a game using that theme, mm. and some they they said, well, let's mash those two things together and mm. and mm. and um, and make yeah. So so you look at it, it's kind of weird because on the cabinet it's got you know the digital space invader things, mm. and on ten of the inserts, it's mm. got digital space invader characters, yeah. and the rest of it doesn't look eight bit or digital at all. Mm. It's all super you know biomechanical mm. stuff, mm. the HR mm. Giger stuff. Mm. Um, so it's a weird combination to start with. And the beautiful and chaser light that goes around the back with the infinity uh, the back with, with the infinity, infinity mirror. mirror. Yeah, yeah. 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 And an interesting thing that a lot, of, a lot of people don't know about that game, if you look at the alien, if you look at the pose of the alien. Mm. If you stand in front of the machine and you actually are playing the machine and look up at that alien, mm. your pose matches the alien's oh. pose, and your reflection is actually you are the alien. The alien wow. is you. If you look in that back glass, he he mirrors your own pose. Wow, I had not realized. A that. lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. It's a really clever bit of art. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty neat. And that particular one that you have, you what's the story uh, behind that your has acquisition a, of that? It has a story. Yeah. So so the the. Uh, uh, the, the story of the of the pinball machine itself, or of the of the, of the slight disagreement, let's say, mm. uh, between um, uh, Bally and Fox. So mm. obviously, Alien came out. Mm. At some point before Alien came out, uh, the Bally guys had talked to the studio about this upcoming project called mm. Alien, and, mm. and uh, they had seen a slideshow apparently mm. of mm. Uh, in which. They weren't giving away. They said, they claim all they saw was a little wax figure of the alien, but they didn't mm. actually see any of the costumes or anything. Mm. And of course, they were trying hard to make a film that didn't just look like another alien in a rubber suit. They must have and known that Gaga was involved with the film project. Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. You would think they must. Yeah. Have. Yeah. Okay. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so I, I'll, I'll I'll come back to that. The, mm. the, let's just say that at, at some point the, uh, the the there was some saber rattling amongst lawyers mm. about hey, this Space Invaders thing looks like Alien. Did you guys, you know, really? This looks like it's a ripoff. Mm, mm. So, and we'll come back to that story in a minute. Mm, sure. um, so, where I, me and this machine come into that is, uh, so I'm over in the states, um, clearing out this house, and I had, I had a look on uh, on Craigslist and eBay and stuff. I was trying to pick up some parts and things to bring back with me, mm. and looking for just in case there was a machine that was available as well. And there was a Craigslist ad for for a Space Invaders. Mm. And he mentioned that that this that he was, uh, he was that was being sold by, the lawyer involved in the lawsuit between, well, it wasn't even a lawsuit. It was just it was just lawyers talking to each other. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I go over to this guy's house and we start. He starts telling me a story, talking about this this pinball machine and everything. He said the house in uh, Beverly Hills, uh, and this guy was a lawyer for Fox. And uh, lovely chap. He and actually he and his wife had been to New Zealand before doing a Habitat for Humanity thing and had built oh, a house down okay. here or something like that or built some mm. kind of project. Mm. Um, so we chatted about New Zealand mm. a little bit. That was mm. all fine. Mm. Um, but then he started telling the story. So he was, he was a lawyer at Fox. Mm. And so when the, uh, the, 
the lawyers started talking about whether this was a, a copyright infringement, etc. Um, and I mean, this is the early days of licensing as well, too, mm. right? I mean, this was mm. uh, that was still kind of being figured out how to do that whole licensing stuff. And um, so they uh, they're having they're 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 talking, and and eventually it got to the point where the ballet people who didn't want to annoy a studio because they wanted to get more licenses for you know mm. more more themes for more more machines in the future. So they you know came to an agreement. The ballet people had. We're capitulating and saying, "Okay, we mm. we realize maybe maybe mm. we we mm. we you know we there's some some intellectual property here, maybe." Sure. So uh, they were they agreed to a a fixed price up front, just a, a just a settlement fee, and a fixed price per machine that was sold. And I don't know what those numbers were, mm. but they were numbers. Mm. Um, and so that was the main part of the agreement. And so while. Uh, they, you know, they were writing up the agreement and how they're going to solve this this issue. Mm. Um, they uh, and they were including some goodwill in there as well too. So they said, as part of the settlement, they also agreed that on what the next license would be, which is uh, Star Trek. Oh. Uh, so that was part of that that settlement. And so while this, you know, reasonably, um, you know, they were coming to an agreement anyway. Mm. And at some point, one of the there were, f- uh, I think he said there were four lawyers for Fox there, four mm. or five. Uh, but at one point, one of the salespeople, or the marketing people, got into the ear of the lawyer, mm. and and said, uh, "We we could use a sample. Mm. If we had a sample machine, we could actually take it around with us when we're doing screenings of Alien. We could actually have it in the lobby and that right. sort of thing." Right. And he was thinking how he could tie it into you know, right. make, turn this into some kind of marketing spin. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, it looked look similar enough, that, you yeah. know, similar enough artwork that they could make it look like it was tied in, even though it was never intended to be. Sure. Uh, so that's that was the marketing guy's thinking. So he just says to the lawyer, he says, "See if you can get us a sample or two. Mm. And uh, and so this this lawyer says, "Okay, so um, uh, uh, the Fox people would like to like to have a sample of this machine if it's possible for mm. marketing purposes." Mm. And Bally, who at that point were kind of just agreeing and saying, "Yes, okay, yes, okay," because mm. they really wanted to to retain their their sure. licensing ability. Yeah. Uh, they said, "Okay, how many machines do you need?" And the lawyer hadn't talked about that at all, and he says, um, five. <laughs> and they said okay, and they signed off on that. <laughs> so that was in as part of the agreement that the five machines were going to get given to to Fox. Wow. So these five machines got got given to Fox, and and they were sitting around. And I, and I guess everybody in, in the, around the studio and stuff knew that these machines were yeah. there. Yeah. Nobody knew what was going to happen with them. Yeah. And some people people were making offers and all this kind of stuff. And eventually, some exec at Fox decided that what they would do is they would. Um, oh, sorry. I'll, uh, rewind. Uh, one of the sorry, four of the machines went to Fox. One of them, they put a uh, Swiss coin mechanism in, right. and they sent it off to HR Giger in, oh. in Switzerland. Oh, and I haven't checked, but I imagine that one's probably in the HR Giger Museum because uh, there is a, a museum in right. Switzerland for that. I haven't, I haven't verified that, but it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. that's where it went. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would have uh, kept him happy. Yeah, that may have. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so these four machines were sitting at uh, at Fox, and so th- they they decided that three of them would get auctioned off with the proceeds going to charity. Mm. Uh, so they auctioned off three of them, and I don't know what the values were, but mm. Um, mm. Uh, and then the fourth one, they they went to the to the lawyer whose mm. house I was standing in at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they said to him, they said, "Look, we we we're selling these three machines. Here's what the the third price, the third highest price was." Um, in this this charity auction thing we did, um, if you'd like to buy the last one for that price, it's yours mm. for helping solve this this mm. issue for us. Mm. And so we bought it. Right. And so it was home use only, mm. um, and it uh, it sat in his living room for thirty years. Mm. 
Um, and I've got, he, I've, it came with a bunch of paperwork that he had inside it that was like the, the lists of how, who the family record holders were and stuff like that, how, how many people had rolled it over and right. they, every time somebody rolled it over because they, they only had six digits, right? They didn't yeah. have the seven yeah. digits. Yeah. So. Um, and, uh, and there was a bunch of stuff in there that I hadn't seen before too. There was like a, a spare overlay yeah. Which somehow went missing during the move, but uh, but uh, so there was you know a, you know the rules of the game pretty well. I wouldn't say really well. Do you know I was in um, Brisbane just recently in August, and Bo and Karen's we were at Coolangatta for this time zone comp, and there happened to be a Space Invaders at John Cossons at the at I, the um at the like the resort that John puts some games into, mm-hmm. and he gave me a little tutorial on the game, and I didn't know there was. I, I, I mostly play just by I'm going for all the red space invaders and all the blue space invaders. And but then there's the, 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 the I didn't realize that the, when the saucer the sound order, comes, yeah, so the, the gate right opens side, on the right, right side, yeah. and you shoot it for maximum points in there. Not an um, easy shot, but it, no, yeah, yeah. But and and the sound only goes for like four or five seconds. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. Have You almost have to. You want to trap up and wait for it to yeah. start, yeah. start, start running. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. And uh, well, the game is in impeccable condition, and um, what a great history. Yeah, it's, it has. It Do you has remember what you paid for it on, on Craigslist? On it has an insert where on one insert in the middle. Other right, that, it's in right. unbelievable condition. Because it's got that weird loop with the with the um, target in yeah, the middle. It's like Silverball Mania. Yeah, Silverball Mania is um, effectively the narrow body version of Space Invaders. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. They're and very, very similar. When you was look. it just a matter of a few hundred bucks that you paid for it? Yeah, that one, I think. In the US? Uh, it was fifteen hundred. I think. Fifteen hundred US. May have been two grand, but I don't think yeah. so. I think I paid fifteen hundred for. What an exceptional game, though. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I know I did look at it at your place when I first went to your place, and it was marvelling at how pristine it is. Oh, it's it's yeah. it's. Yeah. You'll never see a cleaner one inside or on the like yeah. on the bottom. I just yeah. I, and when I've taken the I've taken the plastics off to do some cleaning once or twice, and not that I really needed it. Yeah. But and just unscrewing these plastics, you just know like that screw's never been on. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can feel it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's uh, so I feel like I every time I touch it, I'm, I'm molesting a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that's fantastic. And I'm just looking at my little uh, list of notes here. Um, <clears throat> now we could probably jump to um, our pinball adventures. So currently, yeah. BJ, um, not that it's a rankings game or anything, but you know you're a, you're a top player in New Zealand and uh, you're sitting in the top ten in the country, which um, often means that we get selected to go to the World Championships because we're the front runners of the field. And uh, you went in 2015 to your first World Championships? I was it 15? In, um, Bor- in Boris in Sweden? No, no. The first one I went to was the first one that we sent Kiwis to at all, which right. was in uh, Frankfurt. Oh, okay. Yeah, which, well, I think, was... which I think was in 14. Oh, 14. Yeah. Did you do the Sweden, the Swedish one as well? I did not. Okay, so you no. did the one well, that was in yeah. Frankfurt, Germany, the 2014. Yeah. Cool. Um, I tried to look up the stats, but they'd, they'd fallen off the back end of the... Oh, that's... The, the, they weren't great stats. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, you know, competitions attended. Oh, yes. Um, oh, right, yeah. So Frankfurt in Germany um, was your first world championships. Yes. 2014. Yeah. You went there with Dave Peck, is that right? I did. Yeah, yeah. Dave Peck. And and as as has always been the, I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to make it to go to uh, to represent New Zealand in three World Championships, but uh, in each one of them, I really only just got my way into it because yeah. I've only been able to go because other people couldn't go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I might just explain how the system works. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for the listeners. So the World Championships is held once a year. We're up to peer, um, 
we're up to IFPA 17 or something now. It's happened about 17 years in a row. And um, it is the 64 top qualifying people from around the world. Now, what tends to happen is they give each country two, two entries. And, um, and then the people, you know, the top two people that accept uh, get to compete in a designated place. Um, and if they um, don't, you know, if people don't get two people from each country, then the list opens up to the people in the field and the front runners in America or where there's a, where there's a yeah. big number of people. So um, Dave and Danielle are listed as one and two and have been for many years. <laughs> yep. So if they decline to go, then it falls down to the ranked um, players three and four and five and so forth. And so BJ and I were three and four um, when we went to um, Toronto, yep. um, which was 2018. And uh, you went this year to Milan, Italy, which was fantastic. Yes. And um, so how do you feel about going into a competition? I mean, we, we both you and I go to many competitions around New Zealand just to kind of it's really it's an attendance game if you if you attend lots of comps and you win you do well you then you get points and that kind of takes you up the leaderboard mm. but when you get into the the very pointy end of the um, competitions on the world scale the global scale such as the world championships how do you feel going into that um, <laughs> and going up against the top players in the world well the the very first game I played in, in one of the worlds was I was up against um, the, the, the first seating, or they sort of uh, what's this, this word? The, the, the slaughter, right. the first round. Oh yes, yes. Where they take the, they the, take player the, the, the top ranked player and the sixty fourth player. Yes. They put them together with the thirty second and thirty third. Yes. And there's a foursome. And then they take the second and the sixty third, yeah, and then the thirtieth, yeah, yeah. etc. Slaughter round. So right. yeah, so you get this this broad range of skills in each mm. in each uh, in each group. Uh, and because I was going in ranked 64th, that yeah. meant that I was going to be playing against the number one, which at the time was Daniele Acciari. Right. Uh, and, uh, from Italy. From Italy. He's a yeah. great player yeah. um, and has won the world championship, mm. uh, I think, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so going into that, I thought, oh, this is, uh, I have no hope in this whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there had been some chatter about the fact that I had never even won a tournament before. And here I was at the Worlds um, because I just have, I, I think that year I was the fifth or sixth on the, uh, right. to be asked. I was the last guy who was going to actually be possible to go right. Right. Uh, from New Zealand. So I was fifth or sixth in New Zealand and uh, managed to go with Tepec. And uh, my only goal in that was to not be 64th. Yeah. Uh, and and I I did not achieve that goal. I came in sixty fourth, <laughs> um, and, uh, and and that's you know it's all right because I mean you'd be playing some fantastic. Players. Oh yeah, and in, and actually in the end it wound up being I think sixty uh, sixty three and sixty two I think the very last round it was it was two Aussies and and, uh, right. and two Kiwis right. playing right. Um, and and we were all when you get to that very last round of the worlds it's yeah. it's you know when you're in the bottom rank because yeah, you're, yeah, you're in there with yeah, a couple other guys yeah, who are yeah. also bottom rank. Yeah, um, and, but it also made for a really fun game because yeah. at that point we, we didn't have to care anymore. No. You know, we, there were no illusions of glory. Yeah. Let's just have a fun game. And yeah. those wound up being, I actually had one of my best games on uh, Centaur. Um, right. I just had a, yeah, a really fun game where I felt like, oh, I finally earned a win. Right. Um, I remember having, in that first round, I remember having a, uh, after, uh, I, I actually would have beaten Daniele on F14 Tomcat if I hadn't tilted out, oh. tilted away my bonus, right. and I would have had Danielle. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, I don't think I would have won the game, but I would have beaten Dan Young. Wow. Uh, and that would have been amazing. But um, I tilted out. And, yeah. uh, and I've had a grudge against F14 Tomcat ever since. Oh. And it's, I'm only just getting over it in the past little while. The past, last couple of uh, System 11 worlds at, uh, at the Pex place, I've, um, uh, I've, I've come to like F14 Tomcat a different way. It's a brutal game, if you Yeah, you can't afford to make mistakes. Never go for that center kill target. Nah, um, no, no. Um, hey, now, while you're on the topic of beating world champions or getting beaten by world champions, I just want to say at 2018 in Toronto, I witnessed you beat the current number one player in the world, Ray Davidson, on, on a game Maiden. of Iron Maiden. On Iron Maiden, <laughs> uh, yeah. That and that was... was a joy to watch because um, you came away from that going, I took down Ray Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, those little, little pockets of glory are great because, um, hey, even the world champions can't win all the time. Well, and, and the, the interesting thing about that, if I look at it, if I compare, if I go back to your question, which yeah. was about how it feels going yeah. into those things, yeah. uh, I was super intimidated the first time around. Yeah. And uh, in Toronto, that being my, my th- uh, second time going, I guess. Second. Yeah, second yeah. time going. Yeah, um, yeah that's right. Uh, I, had, I had a sense of what to expect. So, yeah. so a bunch of the, um, the mystery of the newness of it was, sure. was gone. Yeah. And so I was able to relax a bit more. And of course, yeah. relaxation is the key to it all. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, so going into that one, uh, uh, yeah, and up against Ray Davidson on a machine that I didn't know, the Iron Maiden was, was brand new at the time. time. It was yeah. brand new at the time. I think I had maybe played it once. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, yes, I played it. I played it a pre-tournament mm-hmm. um, at the uh, at the Durham Pinball Club or Pinball Association, um, which is right near my hometown. Funnily mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. Um, like fifteen minutes from where I was born, Max. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and I had I had one of those great uh, games that you have where you're learning a game and somebody else is well, you're, you're learning it together. Sure. And so it was a chap from uh, I'm not even sure where he's from, uh, and we were playing the game and he had played a little bit, knew a little bit about the rule mm. set, was mm. telling me a little bit mm. about it mm. uh, as we were playing it, and and we discovered the game together. That's one of the things I love doing is when there's mm. a new game mm. and you're trying to discover the rule yeah. set. That yeah. that's a that. There's something essential to that for me about pinball. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the more shared that experience is, the better, I think. Yeah, I remember playing that with you at that at um, Adam Becker's place in Toronto, and you was telling me, don't forget the power jackpot, the one yeah, on yeah. the shot on the left. left. Yeah. You watch it in the corner of your screen. When it gets <coughs> high, you collect. That, collect. <laughs> I had learned that like two days previous at that pre-comp. Um, and, uh, and, it, and funny you mentioned that, actually, because when that game was over, uh, during one of the multi balls, I was trying really hard to go for that that, yeah. that uh, captive ball on the left hand side, um, and I was missing it like crazy. Right. Uh, and and when I finished, I remember Ray uh, actually walking over to me and saying, "Were you going for the orb?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I said, "But I wasn't getting it." <laughs> That's awesome. That was a fun, and I really enjoyed hanging out with you that that comp too because. Um, uh, the collection was was wonderful. Great collection. Uh, Adam's collection. He has a lot of uh, of, the, of the rare classic sterns, mm. a lot of unusual games. Kind of, we didn't have any prototype games, but 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 just sort of oddball machines that you don't see yeah. uh, really anywhere. And they were they, he spent a lot of time getting them all running nicely. And mm. um, and uh, it was yeah. And I loved his um, crazy uh, balloon man at the front of his, oh, yes. at the yeah. end of his driveway that he got in. Yeah. Um, but no, it was 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 cool. Um, and that was that was my second because I did the Copenhagen one the year before. That's right. Yeah. And uh, that was my second. So that was both of our second uh, world champs. It was, and I believe in Copenhagen. I think you reached the highest rank in a world that any Kiwi has done. 
Now you came in fifty second. I, I didn't make the cut line, but I, no, came. No, I did. I did. I, I was pleased with Copenhagen, yeah. and but I I really bottomed out in Toronto. I was fighting an Australian for that last place. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Which which I gave to Grant Stevens. He took sixty four. <laughs> I took sixty three. Yes. Um, but then you went again to Milan this year. Yes. Yeah. yeah How yeah, was that for yeah. you this year? Uh, that was good. It was it was interesting not having another Kiwi. I was the only Kiwi mm. that went this year. Mm. Um, and so didn't have somebody to commiserate with when, yeah. when things were going well or somebody to cheer on. Yeah. Uh, like I remember uh, so in Frankfurt um, cheering on uh, Eddie uh, Dead Rock. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he, made, he made the cut. And, right. and so uh, I remember being, because we were I was out of the tournament at that point, I was uh, just putting stuff on Ozzy yeah. Arcade, giving yeah. updates because yeah. there was no stream going. Yeah. Uh, to help feed the Australian guys, right. let them know how their right. how their countrymen was going, right. and that was exciting, you know. Um, yeah. And this time around, um, uh, I, yeah, I didn't feel like I had enough fellow countrymen with me yeah. to yeah. to uh, to kind of do it. With. But you know, I had I had Julie with me, which is good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Milan was uh, uh, again good collection. Played a couple of games there that I hadn't played before. Mm. Um, and uh, but I didn't play particularly well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had, no, that's not true. I had a couple of games where I really felt like uh, like where I earned it. Like mm, in the mm. in the the first worlds that I went to, the one in uh, in Frankfurt, I felt like that one. If I managed to do well in a game, it was mm. only because somebody else didn't. They, they yeah, yeah. I I was living off of other people's mistakes. Sure, sure. Uh, and the both Toronto and uh, and and Milan. More so Toronto. Mm. I felt like like I had earned games, mm. like, a, like mm. games where I thought, yeah, I played that well enough, and mm. I and that, it, it, I felt like I was the better player mm. on that game mm. that day, mm. and I wasn't relying on somebody else making a mistake. Sure, um, and that's a really really satisfying uh, uh, kind of feeling. That's an interesting mindset. I'm in, I'm I'm intrigued that you brought that up because it happens a lot in comps where you think you, you're flying by the seat of your pants and you think. Oh, they've they've really they've had a shitter, and I'm going to capitalize on that. And uh, but yeah, it's it's really satisfying when you can look back on your play and think I, I, I you know didn't kind of choke up under pressure mm. um, because for me it's the pressure aspect. Yeah, you know. that also was what changed. For and me. and I've, I used to wear headphones with music for that reason. Yeah. But yeah, I actually have chosen to do away with the headphones unless the space is so noisy. Mm. that I need to block out the noise and even then I might just not have music on yeah. but just have the headphones off on to cancel out the I use earplugs just to keep the din down yeah um, and not so much for it's really just to help with the endurance part of it because mm. I mean p- pinball is an endurance game mm. uh, you're trying to keep your, your ball going as long as you can obviously sure. so it's that part of it but then also when you're playing you know many many games in a row during the day mm. uh, for me it's a battle against uh, uh Fatigue in my eyes and fatigue in my ears, mm. um, and the more the more tired you get, the worse you're going to play. Mm. And the way to get tired is to be sitting around in, in a loud room. That mm. for me, that actually makes me tired. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, the more I'm doing with my eyes, the the, the more my eyes will get tired. They'll mm. get lazy, mm. um, and that'll just increase the, the tired factor. Mm. So, so for me, it's, it's earplugs. Mm. Um, but music wouldn't help for me. That would just make more noise. That would that would tire me out. I think. Well, I played Eric Stone in Toronto, and I had two tilt warnings on Funhouse. He's to my left shoulder watching me. I just had to make that jackpot shot, and I would have taken down Eric Stone. And I had some freaking disco song going on. <laughs> and I kind of, it took me out of the game. Yeah. And I, I knew I had two, two tilt warnings, but I guess I just chose to ignore it. And I bumped, I tried to do a little 
a little, not a post pass, but a little roll pass, a bump pass. Yeah. And I just gave the game a little, a little upward nudge to try and oh, hop the nice. ball across to make the, um, to, to trap it off the scoop. And of course it tilted. Yeah. And then the other guy, the Swedish guy, I forget his name, he came over and he goes, do you realise if you made that shot you would have beaten Eric Stone? <laughs> I said, yeah, 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 I kind of knew that. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, world champs, I don't know, what's going to happen next year? Florida next year, isn't it? I believe it is, yeah. I won't be, uh, I certainly won't be anywhere near the rankings. I haven't right. been doing as well yeah. this year. Yeah. Because you've been doing so well, you see. Uh, I also, as you say, it's a bit of an attendance game, and I've, I've, I've it's missed a few times. It's attendance. Uh, I also um, haven't played as well as I, I possibly mm. could, but um, I, uh, uh, I, this is t- uh, a couple of times in a row now that I've missed. Um, you guys have gone over to Australia for um, Brisbane Masters, for Brisbane Masters, in the Sydney uh, Southern Hemisphere. At yeah, Lakes Place. yeah, and there's, uh, mm. there's, uh, you guys always come back with some big points from that. Well, I came first in the flip friends, <coughs> which, which got me about thirty-seven points, which was, which was um, surprising, but uh, I'll, mm. I'll happily take that. Um, yeah. And so, I was going to ask you. Um, about Lexi, about the P3. Yeah. Now, in 2015, we had a fantastic trip to Chicago Expo. Yes. And um, what I loved about that was it was the launch of the P3 multimorphic platform that you worked on. And I remember you at the seminar throwing T-shirts into the crowd yeah. of the, the P3. I didn't yeah. get one, but you, they would have been, all been too small anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, um, do you want to talk a bit about how that came about and how you ended up programming? Yeah, um, so... I um, I saw I at the time I had been working on uh, uh, so I mentioned earlier the the, the Simpsons uh, mm. playfield that I was going to repower mm. and and, I, and like a lot of homebrew pinball people I was going to do my own driver circuit and all that kind of stuff which is a mistake right. because there are existing driver circuits out there mm-hmm. um, even just by reusing old boards from rally machines which I was also looking at doing as well mm. too but uh, I was investigating all that stuff that. Because I'm on the side, I'm a bit of an electronics hobbyist, but I'm a software guy by by, right. by nature, and the electronic stuff is harder for me, but still doable. Right. Um, and <clears throat> so I've been looking at doing my own my own driver circuit and everything. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then, uh, then I got kind of distracted by the design part of it, or by the uh, uh, an alternative way of doing pinball, is what I was thinking of. Um, I because I was. I had a machine at the time which I was thinking of retheming. It was a um, Grand Prix, Williams Grand mm-hmm. Prix, uh, four-player EM, and I was thinking of retheming that because it had a, it had a uh, the playfield was in a terrible condition, mm. and, I, and I, part of me said, "Oh, this is salvageable," and part of me said, ah, "Just do something different." But mm-hmm. so much was good about that machine that, that really only the playfield was the bad mm. thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I was looking at retheming, and the idea of retheming, re-theming things led me to the, the. I was thinking about how inserts and everything, are, they're they're always dropping as well. Mm-hmm. It's a problem mm-hmm. with pinball, mm-hmm. um, and I've, and you know, a lot of people want to do their own kind of theme and be kind of a fun mm-hmm. custom thing. So I thought, well, why are we doing that? Why don't we? We got LCD technology now. Mm-hmm. Why don't we put LCDs under uh, you know under the playfield? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I had this idea for I, I like uh, designs like uh, Solar Fire and uh, games of that era that mm. that have an, an upper level play split field, level split level levels, stuff. Yeah. So I I had this idea for doing a split level play field that would have I had two 17 inch monitors lying around uh, LCDs and I was going to put one underneath the bottom level and one mm. underneath the top level mm. um, and then of course I had to figure out where I was going to put the flippers at the bottom of that LCD screen mm. so the posts could go through the through the wood obviously right. but then what to do with the slingshots. 
So for the slingshots, I was uh, I was I was thinking I would do um, use, use brake cables, mm. so like you have on a on a on a, on a, a bike. Mm. And I was actually thinking that it would actually be kind of cool to have all of the solenoids down in the bottom of the back box and just have this this collection of of brake cables coming up to the play field. Mm-hmm. It makes the play field lighter, all that kind of stuff, and it would mean that you could you could run uh, run actuators to interesting places in the play field mm-hmm. without having to have this big you know coil and all its mounting mechanisms and everything. And it would break down on, or cut, cut down on flipper dust because mm-hmm. you could have all your, mm-hmm. your your coils kind of in a, a, a contained. Sure. Compartment yeah. underneath makes makes sense. Yeah. I thought it'd be a neat idea. Um, and uh, but the LCD thing was kind of interesting to me, and I was doing some ball tracking. So I was writing, I'd written some software. I was using a webcam that I had put an infrared filter in the front of it, mm. and I was uh, lighting up. Uh, I was flooding the, the front of a, an LCD screen with uh, with infrared light, mm. and the only thing that was reflecting was the ball. So I was able to isolate where the ball was completely independently of the screen that was underneath. So the screen could have any artwork on it, whatever, it didn't matter, because that's not an infrared. Right. And so the ball tracking was only using was only using the reflectivity of the ball to see this infrared. So I thought, cool, and I can do ball tracking over top of an LCD. I can do virtual rollovers. Wow. That'll be great. That'll be fun. So uh, th- those were just ideas that's, that I was, that's I was playing quite, That's quite deep kind of code well uh, the ball tracking part wasn't mm. that difficult mm. it was and I, I was surprised actually at the frame rates I was getting I, right. was, I, was, I think I, was, I had it going about 10 or 11 uh, frames per second right, okay. which I thought was possibly reasonable now right. I would say that's that's not sufficient at all right. but at the time I thought oh mm. this seems like mm. it's promising mm. anyway then a little while later um, somebody sent me a link I think it was Yi actually who sent mm. me a link uh, to a video mm. of the multimorphic guys mm. showing off their one of their first prototypes at a trade show. I believe it was in Chicago actually, or may have been may have been Texas Pinball Fest. Um, and they were been in twenty fourteen, wasn't it? Or <clears> earlier yeah, than that. That it would have been earlier than that, I think. Um, I whew, I'm not sure of all the dates there. Um, well, it was yes, yeah, so it would have been ah, it would have been pre twenty fourteen because mm. yeah, I'll come back to mm. how I know that okay. in a moment. Sure. Um, so uh, so. Yi sent me this video of multimorphic mm. stuff, mm. and here they had an LCD. They had a ball mm. rolling over mm. top of it. Mm. They were, had virtual targets. Mm. They had floated their flippers as well as not just the slings, but the flippers. Mm. And I thought, oh, great! They've, somebody's already done it. <laughs> Once again, I'm not 1.0, sure, and uh, just have to put that project aside and get on with life. Um, yeah, and uh, and maybe find something else I don't want to do. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, but the idea was still in my brain. I was still thinking about other things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was also thinking about. Um, uh, Using uh, plastic tubes for for like using um, plastic piping for mm. uh, uh, for routing tunnels and stuff like that, sure. or subways, or even for for um, instead of wire forms, yeah. using plastic plastic yeah. piping, yeah. which they they were doing as well too. Right. Um, so there's another one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, these guys are doing all the stuff I want to do. Right. Um, right. And uh, where were they based? They're in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were already doing, they were selling pinball controllers already. So mm-hmm. the reason they did the P3, mm-hmm. the, 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 the prototype that they were showing at that point, was because they were already selling, uh, they were at the time known as pinballcontrollers.com. Mm-hmm. And they were selling a full board set for um, driving solenoids, driving LEDs, right. um, and, uh, and it had a whole uh, software development kit to go with it. Right. Um, and there's a whole pile of homebrew machines that have been out there mm-hmm. and doing it. Mm-hmm. And they were also courting some of the major manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, and which then I, was, when I saw those guys and I thought, oh, that means I don't have to do my own driver circuit if I don't want. But, oh, they've done all these things that I wanted to do. Nah, I'll do something else. 
Uh, and I start, at that point, I started getting into, uh, I managed to acquire Yee's Medieval Madness playfield. He did a mm -hmm. playfield swap. Mm -hmm. And I took his playfield off of him. And while we were doing the playfield swap, I was measuring up all the, all the uh, ball guides and everything and making mm -hmm. sketches of mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. And I got some laser cut mm -hmm. and, and I, I, I clear-coated that playfield. did a couple of rounds of it and I still mm -hmm. had some more touch-ups to do and I was going to clear-coat it again. And I was embarking on a project of making a Medieval Madness. Mm -hmm. um, and wasn't sure yet what I was going to do for the, the, the contents of that. But anyway, that project got sidelined because then I, a little while after seeing this video, mm. I then saw another video of their next prototype. And it was looking even better than the previous one. I thought, these guys, they're moving along. But they're at trade shows. They're showing this stuff off. They're way ahead of me. Mm. Um, and a little while after that, I, I saw their third prototype. And, and they announced that they were going to do Lexi and Cosmic Kart Racing. And, uh, and they were going to actually do, do make machines. And I thought, you know, this, these, these guys, if, if I had been, when I was dreaming about my little idea of what I was going to try and do, I thought, you know, if, if, I, if this goes well enough, some people might want to get in and, and join in with me and, mm -hmm. and maybe there'll be a team and we can, mm -hmm. like, be, you know, we can have a fun project together, you know? And then it would just, if it, if it was good, mm -hmm. then it would organically grow mm -hmm. some interest, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so saying that and having had those hopes, I thought, okay, well, uh, I I should think this way about those guys. These guys want this. You know, they're they're going to make this thing. They're they're already committing to it. Um, I'd like to help out in some way. At the very least, I think I'm going to buy one of these things because it's it's implementing a bunch of my ideas. Or well, we obviously had similar ideas on the other side of the world. Um, I should be supporting these guys. So I decided that that was going to be my first new inbox machine. Um, and I remember I, I was at a trade show in, or sorry, a, a festival, music festival mm. in, uh, in Byron Bay um, in Australia. And while I was there, uh, I, I decided, I actually, I, I sent off my email to say right. I would like to be one of the pre-orders, you know? Right. right. And I got an email back from, from Jerry and uh, we were talking about the logistics of, I was, I was asking lots of questions about the status of the thing and all that kind of stuff. And we, so we chatted a bit about that. And they were uh, looking for people who might be interested in investing or being a third-party developer as well for, mm -hmm. for, their, for another game. Uh, and I was certainly considering that as a, being a third-party developer and making a, my own game to fit that platform. Mm. Um, and so we, an email conversation ensues. It turns out that, you know, obviously Jerry and I are on the same page about a lot of things pinball, given that we both had, you know, I told him what I had been scheming and had started building and... and uh, so we were clearly on the same page. And what started off as what I thought was going to be a 15-minute conversation about how do I transfer the funds, because they were taking down payments at the time. They sure. did it for a very short time. Sure. Um, and then decided that's it, we're going we're gonna to do this on our own backs, you know, um, and not risk anybody's money, because that was becoming a, quite a controversial thing mm. in the mm. industry at the time, and still is. Mm. Um, so, uh, so that, yeah, they were doing the honorable thing and saying, now we've got to make this thing on our own, on our own dime, and then uh, if it's worth it, then people will buy it, you know? Mm. Um, so I was chatting with him, what I thought was going to be a 15-minute phone call, um, and wound up being two hours of, of just chatting about wow. ideas and all things pinball and stuff. I, I, so before that, uh, yeah, while I was at that, that festival, um, in this email chain that had gone back and forth, uh, uh, I said, I'll send you a few some ideas I've got. And this, this Multimorphic get ideas sent to them a lot. It's great. Uh, a lot of people are excited and they've got things they want to say, I think you could do this with this, I think you could do that. Yeah. And, and, and it's really cool. There's lots of, uh, lots of input. Um, so I did just that. And I wound up sending what I guess I could call my pinball manifesto, which was this, I don't know, three-pager or something of, here's all the things I think you could do with this platform. Um, 
And, and again, that led to further discussions in this big long phone conversation mm -hmm. that Jerry and I had. Mm -hmm. And that led to more and more chats. And then, going back to the world. So when in 14, 20, yeah, 2014, when I was uh, to lead up to Frankfurt, I had some work to do in France. And I was staying in um, uh, just outside of Toulouse uh, with a, a co-worker uh, who also was a pinhead. He became a bit of kind of became a pinhead because of me. Wow. He was visiting down here in New Zealand one time and we played a medieval madness and a theater of magic in uh, the Hell Pizza right, right near where I worked. Um, and he said, oh, it's been like, like years since I played Flipper. Flipper being the, yeah, the German word for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a German guy who lives in France. Um, and, uh, and he kind of got hooked. And mm. next thing I knew, he'd, he'd bought a, a theater of magic and a creature from the Lapagoon. So I was, I was there visiting him because uh, I had weeks of work to do there. I was there for, I think, seven weeks. Uh, and that was also my lead up to uh, to the Worlds in Frankfurt. Mm. So mm. I was there doing work, and then I was going to go off for a week to do the Worlds in Germany. Mm. And he came along to, to spectate. Right. Um, and uh, But I was staying at his house. Uh, and we were doing a lot of intense work, like for weeks on end. Um, and uh, on a non-pinball stuff, this is just mm. my day job mm. stuff. Mm. Um, and he's a good mate, so you know we've stayed at each other's places and stuff, and and uh, and we work well together. So we just did this really intensive few weeks. And while I was there, I was training, let's say, um, for uh, for the worlds. So mm -hmm. I I played his theater ma theater magic over right. and over right. and over again because it was uh, at that time for me it was the game that seemed to be suiting the stuff I was trying to learn in terms of my play. Sure. Um, and it was his, it was his best running game at the time as well, I suppose. So while that was doing, so he he and I would work all day. I would be playing pinball, you know, went to the wee hours. And then during that time, I was also chatting with Jerry online, and I wrote some of the first code that I ever did for P3 or for, and for Multimorphic while I was staying at, at that guy's place. Super intense time. Um, and, uh, it might have been, yeah, it was your creative outlet. Oh, during, totally, yeah. Doing, doing that. Well, and at that point, it was also just, like I, I said to Jerry, I said, look, if you guys need any code being written for anything, because what well, we had previously said, well, I'm, I'm flying to France. I remember he, uh, I, he said, "Look, our our software development kit isn't. Uh, it, it's it's almost ready to be published, mm. um, and we're we're just we're getting ready to, to do that. So you can have a look at that when it's ready. Would you like to vet it?" And I said, mm. "Surely I would." Um, I said, I'll "Tell you what, what I'll do is I'll I will write up before I get to see what you guys have done. Mm. I'll write up what I think should should go into that software development kit, mm. or what if as a developer, what mm. I would hope to find." Sure. In uh, in that software development kit, and I went up to make I think it was actually a couple of videos that I sent him, um, uh, with a, you know, some sketches and things, and and talking about all the things I would hope to find in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it again amazingly synced up rather well with the stuff that they were they were already doing. Um, and so we were comparing our SDK notes afterwards, and we're like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of synchronicity here, so that's all cool. <clears throat> so it was at that point that I said to Jerry, I said, look, if you guys need any utilities written for you, not nothing like you, you're working on the game, that's fine. Make Lexi go, that sounds great. But if you need something in the background, like some low-level library or something like that, just let me know. And yeah. if you want some well-defined little uh, little bit of work done, you know, let me know. And, it, and he said, well, <clears throat> one of the first things we're going to need uh, is something that you know chooses the apps or fires up the, the actual the, the gameplay. Right. Um, and allows you to choose which of the versions of the games you're going to play or which game is there. Right. So we need this launcher. Right. Um, and, and so I said, sure, I'll, well, I can give, give that a go. So I wrote the first little parts of the launcher while I was teeing up for, for the 2014 Worlds, wow. while I was in France, ready to go to Germany. And after a full day's work with this workmate of mine whose place I was staying at, yeah. I was writing a 
bunch of code to, to get the, a couple of apps to talk to each other. That's awesome. That's um, and that was the very beginning. And yeah. then uh, 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 that progressed and you know became a bigger thing and a bigger thing. And the next thing I know, I was writing the full launcher app, which I mean, when you first fire up your P3, mm. there's a carousel of games that you can, mm. you can mm. choose from. Mm. Um, and uh, it wasn't originally a carousel, it was going to be something completely different, but we settled on something that looked mm. kind of like a carousel. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's how that started, and uh, haven't looked back. That's fantastic, and, and, mm. and you've written one of the games on their platform. Uh, Rocks, the, the, yeah, the Rocks. Which, which is effectively Rocks. a rewrite. So the, <clears throat> the <clears throat> video that had originally been sent mm. was um, uh, that the, the Yi first sent me that made me go, oh darn, I'm not the, I'm yeah. not the first guy at this. Yeah. Uh, it was their demonstration of, of their ball tracking. Mm. which was uh, kind of a takeoff on asteroids mm. um, with these rocks on the screen that you roll mm. the ball over. Mm. And after that, so that was just a demo, mm. you know? And then um, we got partway through Lexi and we were showing it uh, in Chicago and stuff like that. And that trade shows, people were coming up to, to Jerry and saying, hey, have you still got that rocks game? That was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said, well, we, we need to redo that for sure. So as a mini game, we, we, we refer to them as mini games. They're like games that can kind of work with, they're not, themed to a particular play field, because of course we've got our interchangeable play field modules, yeah, um, yeah. so rocks can be played with any play field, it'll work. Yeah. Um, but Jerry said, hey, we need somebody to, to, uh, to we're going to do this rocks thing again. So that was the one game where I, I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do that from scratch. And so uh, basically everything you see in that game was, was, was coded by me pretty much. And uh, and then Jerry was was there to kind of coach me through gameplay and yeah. and some of the parts of the machine I hadn't used yet so for some of the lighting and things, um, but definitely yeah he, he certainly um, ran the project but I was he gave me free reign to basically you know make, I actually make it really like rocks it's like a meditative it, type it's very of, much so, type yeah. of um, game and you 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 just you you're firing at these rocks and they splinter off into little ones and then the, you got the energy fields around the slings and yeah. so on and yeah. you got to prevent them getting you a little bit like missile command it is it's meets, kind of blended both meets yeah. asteroids it's actually yeah. really lovely that's a great little accolade to have in your CV it's it's fantastic yeah it was great fun to develop too and again I I was kind of you know given this kind of free reign as far mm. as how to make it look and mm. uh, um, again like you know Jerry and they gave Jerry you they gave you a machine. Um, or you bought a machine, or you you, you got a machine. I got a machine out of it in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah the uh, the the um, after all the development, we've got a whole bunch of development going, and eventually Jerry says, "Well, look, we're just going to send you a machine." That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so, Can I just say I've helped, and Hamish and Wellington bought one, and, and I've helped them move it. Mm. I wish they'd beveled the corners of those cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> because they cut your hands, man. Because that's a very heavy machine. It's a heavy machine. Heavier than Jersey Jack. Mm. Uh, heavier than Star Trek Next Gen, which is the heaviest Williams game. I, I think it's and, right on par with a Wizard of Oz. I think it's a and, and, but when you lift it, the corners of the cabinet are sharp. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, need, you need gloves. Um, well, that's what I found. I haven't found that with mine at all. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know. Um, well, I'll, I'll look at Hamish. I've, Hamish I've moved Hamish's one a couple of times. And it uh, it does it does it punishes me. <laughs> <laughs> hey now, BJ, there's two things that you've mentioned that I want to draw you draw, come back to. Yeah. Um, one was auto bids on trade me. Now this is mm. just a funny gag story. Mm. Uh, one was the auto bidding on trade me, and the other was the medieval madness playfield that Ye gave you. <laughs> now let's put those two things together. Last year, <laughs> all of us guys were watching an auction for a medieval madness playfield on trade me. And we thought, and actually it came out of my old medieval madness that Mark Ellis bought, mm. and he had it replaced, and somehow this playfield turned up with a non-pinball person 
who just whacked it up on Trade Me for sale with a $1 reserve. And everyone was looking at it going, oh yeah, that's a nice bit of wall art. I actually recognised the homemade cliffy on it, so that yeah. made me know it was mine. And then um, we thought, oh, what's it going to go for? What's it going to go for? And then we watched this auction, and then it went for, I think, $1,200? No, it wasn't that. No, what, was the, what was the figure? What was I think it? it was $900. $900. Yeah. So we th- went, I can't believe it. A, a second-hand used, beaten-up medieval Magnus Playfield's going for $900. Who bought it? Ah, oh, BJ bought it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was an auto bid, and it was a typo. So when I put in the auto bid, because, I, again, I was going to be busy that day or something, and I thought, oh, I'll just... Uh, I'll put in a, a, a bid for a hundred bucks. If I get for a hundred bucks, I'll be happy, um, and and whatever, that's fine. Well, it turns out I typed in a thousand dollars instead of a hundred. <laughs> Next to zero, uh, and some other madman out there wanted, decided that they wanted it, and they were willing to spend nine hundred bucks on it. it. Wasn't me. Yeah. Um, so when they eventually gave up, it I think it might have been Mark and Wellington. Uh, it was a friend of Mark's. Oh, okay. So a friend of Mark's wanted it, and Mark was doing the bidding for him. I see. Uh, and uh, and yes, yeah, so sure, sure enough, this thing goes up to nine hundred bucks. And when I woke up the next day and looked at my 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 emails and saw that I'd won the, this this auction, uh, I thought, oh, cool, okay, I'm, I'm probably a hundred bucks or something. Then I look at it, I realized it went for nine hundred dollars. <laughs> How did that happen? And uh, a week or two later, I was down at your place for a tournament, actually yes. for for one of the monthlies. And yeah. uh, and and Mark was there, and I I said to him at the time, I said, you know. If, yeah, if you want it, you can have it for hundred bucks less than I bought it for because I, I didn't really want to spend hundred bucks on it. He says, "No, my friend doesn't want it now," <laughs> and he was just going to make a coffee table out of it or something. So you, you so, went and picked it up and paid the nine hundred, or did you, did uh, you cancel the sale? No, no, I I I, I honored the sale. <laughs> yeah, that's my own mistake. I mean, you know, and and and. Uh, no, you know, trade me, trade me bids are legally binding. That's and all right. That sort of stuff, yeah, so. that's well, that is a funny story, and I'm glad you were very uh, good natured about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, that, that we all had a good chuckle over that. But then suddenly everyone with a beaten up old playfield in their house is going, I, well, like Duncan especially, I'm going to throw my playfields up on the table now. <laughs> um, if they're going for that much. Um, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't one of my uh, my more talented moments. <laughs> well, it's great. It's uh, great entertainment. Um, we've covered off a lot of ground. Mm. And it's been really, uh, really fascinating, especially hearing all the intricacies of the P3 project. Oh, I could talk for hours um, about that. Now, you, um, you do, as a collector, you do like the fairly odd games, I've I do. noticed. I do. Um, I've been to your place a number of times, and it, it's always a joy to see, you know, kind of slightly unusual machines, like Transporter. Um, that one wasn't mine. That one was actually on loan. It was Ryan, on loan? Ryan, yeah, yeah. And, and Fire. Fire. Yeah. That's another odd game. Mm. Um, uh, what other th- games have you kind of? I've got a Devil Riders. Devil Riders. Oh, you've just recently bought. Have you yeah, recently? Yeah, bought it? yeah. From Australia. Um, the obviously the uh, the cocktail table, which is. Uh, you you bought a couple from Dave Irving. Um, did you get a I trident? Did. I could have a, a kind of a, a, a Frankenstein trident. Uh, yep. That, yep. Um, and uh, I picked <clears> up his. Uh, very much project uh, firepower. Right. It's all disassembled into pieces, yeah, and, yeah. and he had he had touched up the playfield. I'm going to clear coat that playfield right. and put it in back on. Right. Um, the uh, uh, what are some of the other weird ones I have? I guess. He's got totem. It's got, got the totem. got the skewed skewed yeah, um, flippers. Skewed flippers. You'd mm. think they'd feel more weird than they do, but they actually yeah. feel not bad at all. I, yeah. I think it's such a great a great game. Um, yeah. Well, part and, and I've uh, I've got a wishing well, which is uh, uh, a little older. Because my uh, I've also got some. 
some older, like I guess some older ones, because part of my my the ethos behind my collection mm. is that I want one from from every decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently missing the 40s, but mm-hmm. I've got a couple from the 30s. I've mm-hmm. got a um, ski jump and a beacon by Stoner. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, there's not uh, many people with 30s games. No, and those are both flipperless. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. You know, so they're they're more. Although the the beacon has um, two solenoids in it for to the doodle kicker kind of actions right. and one light, mm-hmm. <laughs> one bulb. Um, so it's the early transition. It's a 12-volt 12 12 battery. Uh, six, six. Six volt battery. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I like, I'm into pinball for, not just for, you know, the latest and greatest games, mm. uh, although obviously I like those and I like mm. the innovation that we, you know, we do with the P3. Mm. But I, I'm, I also think that it's an interesting um, uh, yearbook kind of. It's like, mm. a, but each, each machine is like its own little time mm. capsule. Mm. And tells you what was important at the time, but also what technologies were available mm. at the time, what printing technologies were available, mm. what display technologies were available, um, and 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 also what was interesting culturally, like what you know the mm. themes that were playing. You, you think about things like MIBS; it's a it's a marbles game, mm. you know, <laughs> it's mm. a pinball game about marbles. People used to play marbles, and we don't anymore, you know. Mm. And all the card games, the, mm. the pinball games that are themed around cards, because cards was a major mm. form of entertainment mm. back in the fifties. Um, so I just like that that time capsule part of it. I like the, the museum quality of what how pinball machines can uh, can be like a like I said like a yearbook to go back and look mm. at, at how things were like back mm. then. So that idea of having one from every decade is, has kind of driven my my collecting, and that's why some of my machines are a little more odd. Mm. And you you also quite um, into the aesthetic, the art aspect, yes. and so forth. Because yeah. I know that you love your art house cinema, yeah. um, and you're yeah. involved with the um, in, the, the movie marathons. Yep. Yep. Most years, uh, I, re- I think I've I'm talked astonished. to you at, at Dave Peck's place. So you just come out of a movie marathon, and you turned up for a comp, and you were a little bit. Um, jaded. Yeah. Twenty four hours of sitting in a cinema can. Uh, it's not conducive to playing well that night <laughs> uh, on a pinball machine. Yeah, that tired thing definitely comes into play. But you're a man of what I'm trying to say is you're a man of eclectic tastes and many interests, <laughs> yeah. and it's been a joy talking to you. And I think that's quite a good time to wrap it up. Um, so thanks for inviting me to, to speak, and, and it's been really entertaining. I've loved hearing uh, you talk about your uh, projects, and um, and yeah, maybe we can have a drink um, now. That's now that it's clearly the afternoon, and the party was um, um, a good you know, chunk of the day ago. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much. Cheers, BJ. Thank you.